0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark, the ninth chapter. While you're doing that, I'm going to ask Rachel and Dustin to come up here and join me for just a second. These are friends from—where are you from? (laughs) They're from Evansville, Indiana. Now, Rachel, I don't know how old she is now, but once once upon a time (laughs) when she was a, a teenager, uh, early 20s. Early 20s. Uh, she made a trip with us to Mexico. Couple times, yeah. How long ago was 20 it? 20 years ago. 20 years ago. So it was, it's a thrill to have them here with us today and kind of reconnect with him. This is her husband, Dustin. And please make them welcome their praise and worship leaders at their church. Thank you. Thank you. Can you believe that? No, no, that's the title of my message. <laughs> can you believe that? You know, sometimes we hear things or we see things that so astound us that we look at it and we go, man, can you believe that? Other things, we see somebody do something so stupid that we turn around and look and go, can you believe that? And how many of you have ever personally done something stupid? And wow. Wow. Got a lot of stupid people in here today no i'm kidding no i'm kidding i'm kidding we've all done some stupid things haven't we and so it's it's when that happens i have literally said to myself i can't believe i just did that i remember the i think i was in the 10th grade and we had i was in chef's class and we had prepared like a spaghetti dinner or something and i had a i was doing dishes And I had one of those blenders. You know what I'm talking about? Like an egg beater, you know, blender thing. And it fell off in the dishwater. And and the water was bubbling. And I reached in. And when I reached in, I went, got my hand back out and immediately stuck my other hand in. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) And I thought, I can't believe I just did that so through life there are things that we look at and we have trouble believing this is what we have to understand that when it comes to our walk with god faith is the commerce of the christian life it's how we navigate the scripture says that without faith it's what it's impossible to please God. So faith is not an option. And yet, I'll, I've met people throughout my life and they, 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 they're very quickly dismissive of their faith. Oh, I just, I just worry all the time and I just, have, I, I just doubt all the time. And, and they treat that like that's acceptable and it's okay and it's not. Because without faith, it's impossible to to please God. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be times that you wrestle with worry and you may struggle with doubt, but you can't operate in those things. Because once you begin to operate in those things, it will devastate your life. Everybody say faith, substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So it's my being able to believe what I can't see before it shows up in my life. We always say it this way. You have to see, I mean, you have to see what you say by faith so you can, what I say? <laughs> say what you see. Oh, there we go. Say What you see, everybody do this, say what you see by faith so you can end up seeing what you're saying, what you've said. (laughs) It's a good thing I don't have an ego problem. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Probably be a good time to read a scripture right about now. Mark chapter 9 and verse 1. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. Can you believe that? He makes a statement and said that there are some that were standing there at that moment that would not die until they saw the kingdom of God come in great power. And it happened. All you have to do is continue to read the chapter. Six days later, he takes them up to a mount that has become known to us as the Mount of Transfiguration. And there, something transpires, and three men witness the kingdom of God come in great power. Peter, James, and John are standing with him. When suddenly on that mountain, something begins to happen to his physical body and he transfigures, he transforms, he begins to glow bright like the sun. I'm sharing in the first service, we were moving things from the Life Center, the, uh, I think it was Friday, and we were sliding these, those round white tables off. And it was really hot Friday, and the sun was shining really bright. And, and when we slid those tables out of that dark trailer and the light hit them, man, I, we couldn't hardly see. And I thought, oh, this is blinding. I mean, literally, we were having to look away because it was so intense. Can you fathom what he must have looked like? Can you believe that? that all of a sudden he began to glow with the glory of God. And his appearance, it said that he was whiter than anything that had been used with fuller soap. In other words, you couldn't bleach anything and get it as white as his garments were. And he rose above them, and all of a sudden two other people showed up. Moses, the great lawgiver, came. And Elijah, the prophet that never saw death, came. And they were talking to one another. And if you study Scripture, you'll find out later what the conversation was about. It was about Jesus getting ready to give his life. And they were speaking to him about it. And I often wondered what they were saying to him. I, I, there's no way for us to know, but with, with, with such a task in front of him, I can't help but think that they had showed up and saying, this is what we've all been waiting for. I know you're going to be able to do this because, you know, there were times that he, he and you see it when he's in the garden that he's praying, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But in that glorified state, there's nothing that's impossible. The three disciples standing there looking at that have you ever been in a situation where stuff was going on and you really didn't know what to say but you said something anyway (laughs) you know what i'm talking about it's kind of like one of those moments where it'd be better to say nothing than to speak up and remove all doubt And all of a sudden, Peter is looking at this as he's experiencing this, and and he he feels... Now, think about this, because there's no way that Peter could have known who these people were. But Peter makes a statement, and he says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The only way that he would have known who they were was the conversation that had been going on. So he was listening to what was happening. It's not like they had Polaroid snapshots of these guys. And so he he understands who they are. You have the great lawmaker, Moses, and you have the prophet. The prophet Elijah that took on an entire kingdom, and, 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 and he, he, he gets caught up in heaven, and, and Peter's beside himself, and when he makes that statement, hey, it's good for us to be here. Let's, let's make three tabernacles, and then all of a sudden, he no more got that out of his mouth until they heard a voice sound out of heaven. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. It was a nice way of saying, zip it, Peter. How many of you know that there are times that you just need to be quiet and listen? There are times that you just need to soak up. And I got to tell you, to be I I, I, I I can only try and imagine what it would have been like to have seen that. And I don't think I'd have had the ability to speak at all. <laughs> and, and and to have experienced that and then right after that voice sounded, they looked up and Moses and Elijah are gone and Jesus is now back in his earthly form. And he looks at them and he said, now don't tell anybody about what you just saw. You're kidding me, right? (laughs) You, you, You don't want me... T- How many of you have ever had something that was so good that you wanted to share it and you weren't supposed to share it? Like when we got the church paid off. <laughs> we're, we, were, we were trying to keep that a secret because we wanted it to be a big surprise and I kept hearing little bits and pieces floating around here and I said, okay... Somebody couldn't control it. Somebody thought it was so good, I've just got to share it. And then I realized who it was and I repented. <laughs> 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 that when, when all of a sudden you've just got to share, you've just got to tell it and, and, and you're beside yourself about it. And so they, they walk out of that mountain feeling 10 feet tall, man, they could talk to each other about it. Did you see what happened? I can't believe that happened. I mean, that, wow. And they come down, and when they come down, they come upon a scene where the Pharisees are arguing with his disciples that are down there, and there's this going back and forth. And, and when the people saw Jesus, they ran over to Jesus, and Jesus walked up, and he said, what's going on? What's this argument about? The Pharisees don't answer him because what had happened was there was a young boy that was possessed with a devil and his father had brought his son to the disciples for them to cast it out and they weren't able to. So it seems as if though the Pharisees were making or having a a, a good day at the expense of the disciples, and and maybe jeering them or or challenging them on on their doctrinal position or whatever's going on. But I do know that they don't answer Jesus, and the disciples don't answer Jesus. But the man does, because the man isn't there for any political purposes or religious purposes. He's there because he needs a miracle. There comes times in our life where nothing else matters but God. Times when you're not trying to win the argument or win the fight, you just need God. And so he walks up to him and he said, my, my son I, is vexed with the devil and, 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 he, and he gets thrown in the fire in the water and they, they keep, he's been trying to destroy him. And I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. And Jesus turns and there's a rebuke that's issued. Now, it's hard to understand who he's rebuking, whether it's his disciples or whether it's the Pharisees. But he, when he talks about, you know, you, you, adulterous evil generation, how, how long am I going to be with you? And I think that what we need to focus on here is Jesus is more concerned about that boy being free than he is about either his disciples or those Pharisees winning an argument. Oh, let me say that again. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in trying to win an argument that we're allowing someone to slip through our hands that desperately needs a miracle. And it doesn't matter about the, what matters is that someone touches God. And so he starts to bring the boy toward where Jesus is and that spirit throws that boy down and he starts foaming at the mouth and everybody's watching this. And Jesus looked and he asked the question, how long has this been going on? And the man said, since he was a child, I want you to hear me. Because the next conversation that they're getting ready to have is based on How long this has been going on. Listen to what Jesus says when they brought that boy to him. It says, this is in verse 20 of chapter 9. Then they brought to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And often he's thrown him into both the fire and to water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father and child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Probably one of the most transparent places of Scripture that we're able to relate to. I'm struggling (laughs) with believing. Can you believe that? How long has this been going on since he was a child? Days that turn into weeks and weeks into months and months into years. And sometimes when you go through something for an extended period of time, it begins to try and chip away at your faith to the point that this man asked the Messiah, if, what, if, if you can do anything help us. And Jesus immediately turned the conversation because he's got to get this man to understand if doesn't belong in your vocabulary. When it comes to God, if is a word that challenges or questions whether or not God can do Something. How many of you believe that God created the heavens and the earth? No, wait, I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm not playing games. I mean, if you, you wait a minute, you, you're going to sit there and tell me that you believe that God spoke this world into existence. It, it, really? Can you believe that? You, you can believe that God spoke this world into existence, that all of a sudden when there was darkness and everything was void, that God spoke and it just happened? Oh man! If you can believe that, then there isn't anything you ought to be able to not believe for. If you can believe that God spoke this world into existence, then when you're facing something personal, get the personal part out of it so it doesn't have that kind of impact on you. And look at from the aspect of God can do anything that God is able. Get me out of it, and just look at God. Because what happens is when I get in it, my emotions begin to mess with my faith. Now, hear me. God gave you your emotions to experience life. He did not give them to you to dictate to your life. But we have by far and wide a very real struggle with allowing our emotions to dictate To our lives is anybody in the house today oh my emotions don't get to me let somebody call you an idiot and see how quick your emotions kick in let somebody challenge you on something let somebody call you a liar when you're telling the truth And find out if there's any emotions involved see what Jesus is doing is he's trying to get the man to refocus you're focused on the problem instead of the solution you're looking at what the devil did instead of what God can do and so if I could get you to look at what God can do the devil won't impress you anymore And so he says, if thou canst do anything, and he said, look, all things are possible to those that believe. Can you believe that? Can you believe that all things are possible if you believe? And the man cries out from a depth that we all relate to when he says, Lord, I believe. I'm standing here and I'm looking at you and I I, I I feel something rising up in me that's reaching out to declare and believe God, but I have been going through this for so long that the devil keeps screaming in my ear. It's never going to happen. You're not going to do it. Listen, I know what it's like to have the devil scream in my ear. I wrestled with two years for a year with a motorhome in my front yard that I told God I had to have before I could go on the the road full-time, and then I'd go sit in that motorhome and cry and hear the devil speak in my ear, you're out of your mind. You're going to quit your job. You're going to let down your family. You're going to blow it. And I kept wrestling and wrestling and wrestling until finally I said, God, show me something. And when I dreamed that dream, I woke up and I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I know God's got a way of talking to us that makes crystal clear he doesn't talk to us all the same way and that's one of our hang-ups is because you think he's supposed to talk to you the way he talks to me and I think he's supposed to talk to me the way he talks to you and so we talk to each other and nobody's hearing from God everybody say can you believe that when he saw the sincerity of the man's heart. And the man was real with his struggle. He looked at the man. And then all of a sudden, the crowd started running toward. And Jesus wants this crowd to know that the devil is no match for him. So as soon as the crowd started running toward him, he looked at that Boy, and he commanded that spirit and said, You deaf and dumb spirits, you come out of that boy and don't you ever come back. And the boy fell, and everybody thought he was dead. Everybody said, That's a tough one. Yeah, a tough one. Did you ever go some, through something that was tough? You did such a good job in the first service. <laughs> a few years ago, I went to the dentist. And uh, he said, your teeth are in excellent health. And I was so proud. (laughs) Two, three months after I'd made that appointment, I had a tooth start hurting. I thought, what's going on? So I make a trip back to the dentist. And he says, oh, man, he said, you've been grinding your teeth. You've cracked a tooth back here. And now it's filled up with food. And I couldn't see it. It was in the back. And he says, I'm, it's, it's too far gone. I'm going to have to pull it. I said, okay. So he put me in his chair and he got out his needle nose channel locks. <laughs> and he leaned me back and I opened my mouth and he stuck those channel locks or those needles in my mouth. And he grabbed hold of that tooth and he's, <laughs> and it's not going and all of a sudden, he goes, <laughs> and popped it. Man, he climbed up in, on the stool with me. I thought, what are you doing? He, he climbed up with me, and he, he popped that thing out. And, man, after he popped it out, he goes, oh, I'm glad that finally came out. And I'm thinking, you're glad. Man, you got, you know, I thought he going to break my jaw. And I looked at him, I said, I, th- I thought it was bad. <laughs> that didn't seem like it was so bad. And he popped it out then a few months after that I had another situation I went back to him and I had all my wisdom teeth I'd kept all my wisdom teeth they told me I should have them cut out or pulled and I thought they'd never done anything to me so I go back and I go back and he's looking and he said yeah he said I see what the problem is he said I need to pull that wisdom tooth I'm are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, that'd be be the easiest thing. He said, it'd be easy. I'm thinking, I've heard this line before. (laughs) So, he lays me back again. He gets that channel lock out, and he goes, and it came out like that. Give him a hand, would you? Thank you. What's your point, Pastor? My point is that there are some trials that are easy to go through, And there are others that feel like they're ripping your guts out. Others that feel like somebody climbed up on top of you and you're in a tug of war for your life. And that boy fell dead or like he was dead and Jesus just reached up and reached down and helped him up. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you're not alone. He's going to help you up. You're going to get up again. Everybody say it. You're going to get up again. Can you believe that? can you believe that can can you believe that you're going to get up again well then give him a shout (laughs) see here Here's the deal. If, if if we believe that God is who he said he is, and, and he can do what he said he would do, you'd think we'd get a little excited about it, wouldn't you? You'd think that we'd, you know, and I, I remember being in a, a workplace, and they came out on the floor, and they told me, they said, they, and I've been to the front office, and they said, all this talk about God is going to stop out here, and I smiled at that boy, and I said, they can have my job, but they can't have my testimony. I, I'm not giving up. I, I'm not letting go. I'm not Giving in. I'm hanging on. Everybody, say, hang on. Hang on. Can you believe that? Yes. All things are possible to those that believe. I, I, what I've got here is a children's Bible. Can you read it? it says the children's Bible. <laughs> This was when I was in Russia, and I was getting ready to go in and pass out Bibles. I went to Russia, and I I, I felt like I I thought I was going to make one trip. And then when I got there, on the way out, the Lord spoke to me and said, how could you turn your back on them now? And I remember trying to hide tears coming down my cheeks on an airplane, thinking, God, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I ended up going back, and through the providence of God, somehow this old country boy got a meeting in the mayor's office in St. Petersburg. I met with the international coordinator for external affairs, and they said, what do you want to do? And I said, I'd like to pass out the Bible in your public schools. And they looked at me, and they said, that would be wonderful And then they said, could you come and teach the Bible in our public schools? And I said, that would be wonderful. And so for the next several years, but see, I had to get them a Bible before I could teach the Bible. And so I called the Bible League here in the States. And I had a, uh, we, we carried Bibles in on the first trip. You got a picture of that? Can you pop that picture up? I, I carried Bibles in on that first trip. And, oh, actually, that's, that, that's me a long time ago. <laughs> All right, so I'm handing that boy a Bible. Let me explain what happened. So I went. I called the Bible League because we had, we had Bibles before that we bought and we carried over. So I was trying to get those Bibles. And they said, yes, yes, we can arrange that. Send us the money and you can pick the Bibles up in Russia. I said, oh man, that'd be great. I said, where do I pick them up at? They said, we don't know. I said, what? (laughs) So they tell me again, and I said, I'm not trying to, you know, be rude or anything. I said, but do you understand what that sounds like? You want me to send you money and you don't even, you can't even tell me where I'm supposed to pick Bibles up at? Can you believe that? (laughs) So I got to thinking, I thought, you know what? I'm gonna trust God. Because somewhere there are Bibles in Russia and I believe God's big enough to help me find those Bibles (laughs) so I take off man I'm I'm supposed to pass out Bibles and I take off without a Bible in my hand and I hit the road in Russia and I started making phone calls to interpreters that had worked with me and I said somewhere in this country (laughs) there are Bibles I said I need to find them I said, call everybody you know. I've got to find these Bibles, and I needed them quick because I was going to be in the school. And so, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, well, can you believe that? Can you believe he'd come over here and not have a Bible in his hand? Can you believe that? All things are possible to those that believe time was ticking away and no bibles were showing up and finally i got a phone call they said we've got an address i said let's go we take the bus and i'm driving down and you know i I don't see any storefronts i don't see living way or life way or we stop in front of this building that was built in the i don't know it looked like it was built probably in the 1500s or something and 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 so, I'm, I'm looking way up at this building. And I thought, this can't be a Bible bookstore. And we walk inside. And as we walk inside, man, I start walking up. You ever been in one of the, you know, one of the creepy things, you know, walking upstairs. And you're thinking, I know somebody's going to pop out at me here in a minute. And I'm walking around, and I'm thinking, man, God, please let there be a bookstore up here somewhere. And all of a sudden, we come around this corner, and there's a door that's open, and I stick my head in that door, and there are Bibles everywhere. And I want you to know, not only did we buy Bibles, but I was able to buy three times more Bibles than I would have been able to because I got them for a third of what it was going to cost me in the States. And so we passed those Bibles out. Can you believe that? See, here's the thing, is I've learned over the years that what happens in my life is directly connected to what I can believe God for. The man that said, I don't believe it never received it. So my question today is, what are you able to to believe God for. Can you believe God for a child that looks like there's no hope for? Can you believe God for a healing when doctors have said, we can't do anything? And hey, thank God for doctors, but do you understand? Just because doctors can't do anything doesn't mean that God can't. (laughs) I mean, really. He, he can do it. Everybody say, he can do it. Do you believe that? And say it again, he can do it. Look, look at Job. Job is attacked. He doesn't know that there's been a conversation in heaven between Satan and God. He doesn't know that God has looked at the devil and held Job up to him as an example. He doesn't know that. All he knows is that everything he had is gone and things don't look good. And his wife is telling him, why don't you just curse God and die? And he looked at her and he said, you speak like a foolish woman. Well, not the God that renders. He said, the God that, well, let me say it this way. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessing be the name of the Lord. See, we're willing to bless God when everything's going our way, but when things stop going our way, I got a bone to pick with you, God. Your hands are too short to box with God. So Job just takes it a step further, and he says, And this time, he's not addressing his wife. I believe he's addressing Satan. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What's he saying? He's saying, I don't care what you do. I don't care what happens I don't care what goes down here I'm just telling you up front there's no way I'm gonna let go of God there's no way I'm giving up I'm holding on even if it costs me my life (laughs) pastor but what what if what what if what if it what if it does cost your life what if you believe God and, and, and you end up dying well, think about the greeting you're going to get in heaven when all of a sudden you look at the Lord and you say, hey, Lord, I let them all know it, that I was going to trust you no matter what. And he looks at you and says, I know, I heard you say it. Come on in here. I've been waiting for you. We have predetermined ideas about how God works and about what he ought to do. And God is God. God doesn't have to get his plan approved by us. We are not. How many of you have ever felt like you were, you know, the seal of approval for God? You you ever think about how ridiculous it must sound to God when all of a sudden we sit down and we're explaining to God how he could fix this problem? I mean, God, honestly, all it would take is this. I mean, I know you're busy, but I'm just, I just want to give you a hand. All it. Can you believe that? Can you believe that there are people that try and tell God how to do his job? Oh, it got real quiet. Can you believe you're sitting next to one of those people that have tried to tell God how to do their job? Can you believe that your legs are in the blue jeans of one of those people that have tried to tell God how to do their job? Everybody said, thank God I wore a dress today. (laughs) Can you believe you're in a dress? (laughs) The truth is, at some point in time, we've all been there. We've all had that thought, God, it would be so simple, but we don't understand the grand scheme of things. Several years ago, I heard about a woman. Her name was Marjorie Decker. And she talked about how God came to her and spoke to her to rewrite Mother Goose nursery rhymes. And she said, what? And it wouldn't go away. God kept coming back to her and said, I want you to rewrite Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes. So she finally picked up a book of Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes, and she looked at it and said, all right, Mother Goose, it's time you got saved. And so she wrote a book of Mother Goose Nursery Rhymes. I found this book several years after I'd heard about the story. It's Marjorie Decker, the Christian Mother Goose. I thought I'd share a few of these with you before I get into the main one here. How many of you have ever heard of Mary had a little lamb? Mary had a little lamb, its fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Now Jesus has a little lamb, that little lamb is you, and he is pleased when all his lambs keep following him too. Everybody say that together. Oh, that's wonderful. You remember Little Miss Muffet and that spider? Little Miss Muffet sat on a tuffet, thanking Jesus for curds and whey. There came a big spider and sat down beside her to listen to Miss Muffet pray. (laughs) But the one I want to bring to your attention is the one that a little boy loved. When this book came out, his mother bought it and read him these nursery rhymes, and this particular nursery rhyme stood out to him. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Humpty Dumpty shouted, Amen. God can put me together again. And so, every night she would read him from this book, and every night he would request Humpty Dumpty. And she said, Son, I've read you Humpty Dumpty every night. I know, Mama, I know. And you can read me anything else you want. But please, before I go to sleep, read me Humpty Dumpty. God's got a way of preparing you, even when you don't understand what he's doing. And so this boy, night after night and week after week, kept hearing about Humpty Dumpty, and he was soaking it up. And one day, when the boy was, I believe he was, coming from school a vicious dog attacked him and crushed the bones in his face when he went to the doctor they had him all wrapped up in the room and the doctor stepped into the room to talk to the mother and they didn't realize that the boy could hear them The doctor had taken the mother just to the doorway and he said ma'am i'm sorry but there's nothing we can do for your son he said, his bones aren't finished growing. And we can't do reconstructive surgery until his bones finish growing. And by the time that happens, I'm afraid these scars are going to end up permanent. That I, I just don't think we're going to be able to do anything. I'm sorry. And he turned to walk away. And when the mother stepped back in the room, tears were streaming down her face. And the boy looked up at her and said, Mama she said, what, son? He said, mommy, Humpty Dumpty set on a wall. Mommy Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, but you know what mama Humpty Dumpty shouted amen because he knew God can put him together again And mama God can put me together again, too. Can you believe that? Can you believe that that little boy believed it and six weeks later? He was on national television. He didn't have a scar on his face. God had put him together again God has a way of building faith from what we focus on that's why when the man was saying if you can do anything jesus knew he had to shift his focus Uh, you've been looking at your son you've been looking at the problem Uh, i need you to look at me Uh, all things are possible to those that believe can you believe that because if you can believe that he can do that would you stand with me right now I'm sure whenever, you know, nobody really knows where these nursery rhymes originated. The furthest they've been able to trace them back is they think in 1749 in a little booklet that came out. But these nursery rhymes have been timeless, and God knew they were. And God said, I'm going to take something and turn it into something good for children. They're going to learn about me through nursery rhymes they've been reciting their whole life. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Well, how is that the Word of God? Well, doesn't the Word of God declare that he'll never leave you or forsake you, but he'll go with you to the end of the earth. Doesn't the Word of God declare that he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think? Doesn't the Word of God declare that if God be for us, who can be against us? Doesn't the Word of God declare that all things are possible to those that believe? And so Humpty Dumpty preached the gospel. Humpty Dumpty said, shouted, amen, because he knew God could put him together again. And that's what that boy got a hold of. It doesn't mean that you won't face obstacles. It doesn't mean that you won't face opposition. It doesn't mean that you won't have challenges. It just means that you're not going to let challenges have you, that you're going to keep your eyes on God. How many of you ready for that today? I'm going to ask Tony if he would to come down here for just a moment. I've, I've prayed for him different times. He's, he's got a shoulder problem. And I told him this past week, I said, man, I said, the Lord really brought you to mind because I had a shoulder problem. I smashed that shoulder into the ground and There's certain times I move it a certain way, and it feels like a knife grinding in it. And that happened while I was in prayer. I I went to move, and I I felt that, and I immediately started praying for Tony. Because Tony is facing a surgery. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. I'm not calling you Humpty Dumpty. I'm calling me Humpty Dumpty. And I had a great fall. But he shouted amen because he knew God could put him together again. And we're believing God to put Tony together again. Now, I don't know how he'll do it. I just know he can do it. He can do it. And however he chooses to do it, I'm going to shout amen. Amen. Because, you know, there's something I found out is that They say that a 1957 is worth more restored than it was in its original, that it originally sold for. (laughs) Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I've been restored. (laughs) You can't even touch what I cost. (laughs) I mean, you know, I, I got some value on me because I've been restored. I want you to join your faith with mine today. And we're going to believe God that He's going to put Tony together again. Amen. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me? Your
1: name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break, break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn. Life of
0: to heaven. If you need God to put you together again, I want you to come down here right now. Would you do it? Father, thank you for your healing hand. We ask in Jesus' name right now. and Anne is standing in for Jeremiah. This family has been through so much with this little boy, and he's such a trooper and such a fighter, but they've had trouble with that airway. How many of you know that when God said, let there be light, there was light? When God says, let there be air, there's air. When he says, let Jeremiah breathe, Jeremiah is going to breathe. We're believing God right now for God to reconstruct that airway. He can give him a brand new one. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. I'm going to ask Rachel and here, my husband, Dustin, come here we just want to pray over you and the ministry that God has called you to. There's nothing that God can't do. So one, one of the things I had to learn was not to put limits on him, not to tell God what I could or what I couldn't do, but rather just approach him from the aspect, here I am, God, use me. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. When I went on the field, I had no inclination at all. I would end up being doing missionary work none, none you'd have knocked me over with a feather if you'd have told me that but in the process of living one of the things that I always said to God was I'll do whatever you ask me to do because I believe that God doesn't ask unless he's going to equip (laughs) unless he's going to give me what I need to make it happen He would never put me out somewhere and leave me on my own. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, this is what I just hear coming up in my spirit. I'm just going to share it with you. Dream big, just dream big. Father.
1: from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over
0: badge and i almost threw this away i didn't share this i almost threw this away the other day i couldn't read what it said it was written in gold on top of the badge my daughter came over and i said you want that badge and she said dad you need to keep it i said no i'm just gonna throw it away she said don't throw that away she said did you read what's on this badge i said no i I really didn't read it it came from the school and it said, our children love Rick. I want you to hear it. It wasn't me that they loved. It was him. Now hear me, because God wants to use you to bring him to others. And when you do that, Your name is being written down the Bible said he that winneth souls is wise I've been praying for probably the last year to two years God send us the lost send us souls God and we've been seeing them come in And they've been getting saved and some get saved and they go on their journey and others get saved and they stay Hey, I love it when folks stay but you got to understand I'm I'm not trying to build a kingdom here. I'm trying to build one there (laughs) How many of you believe that God can touch Ray and give him exactly what he's asking for right now can you believe that if you can believe that i want you to raise your hands to heaven with me right now Oh, well, there's hands going up all over this house right and the bible said that if two or three would agree wow what happens when 200 agree yeah There's nothing that God can't do nothing that God can't do now God doesn't always do things the way we want him to that doesn't mean he can't do it how many of you have ever asked your husband to wash dishes and then complained about the way he washed them He's not going to do it exactly the way you do it. So you have to, God, this is what I love about God. God gives us the ability to do it. And then he gives us the freedom to do it. And he doesn't come down and beat us over the head when we don't do it exactly the way he would have done it. He said, they did it. They they did it to the best of their ability. And then what God does is he comes in behind us and says, now, let me show you how to do it next time. He, he's able to, have you ever had God fix one of your mistakes? Oh yes. You ever have God come in and just change something that, that you didn't get right? I was preaching, I'm gonna end, I promise. But I was preaching, I'll never forget this. I was in Mississippi out in the middle of a a rice field. Man, you never saw so many mosquitoes in your life. And I'd set up that day and we had a motor home and I got too hot. While I was preaching, I almost passed out. I felt so sick. As soon as the service was over, I went to the motor home and closed the door and wept before God. And I said, God, please, I felt like I failed so miserably that night. I said, please take this message and use it somehow. Somehow, God. We went on and had a powerful revival, and God moved in miraculous ways. But when it was over, I had people keep coming up to me and said, man, it's been a great revival. He said, but I'll tell you what, that first message, that was the one that, and I'm thinking, And I literally, I said, God, did you cause them to hear something I didn't say? (laughs) Because it was like I thought, I thought, but God, do you understand? If you're doing what you're doing as unto the Lord, he's going to use it for his glory. As you stretch your hands to heaven, thank you, Father, for doing it for your glory. Everything he's been through. God, all the disappointments. God, all Your God. name Amen. is
1: healing. Your name Amen. is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadow.
0: and we're going to end with this as you look at somebody I want you to say this with me can you, believe that? can you believe that? can you believe that? oh man I can believe that come on shout it out I can believe that God bless you we love you